Welcome to Native Yoga Toddcast. So happy you are here. My goal with this channel is to bring inspirational speakers to the mic in the field of yoga, massage, body work, and beyond. Follow us at Native Yoga and check us out at nativeyogacenter.com. All right, let's begin. Ooh, yeah, now. All right, so this episode, I'm proud to bring to you the owners of the studio Earth and Aerial Yoga. Their names are Catherine Scalora and Laura Markova. Check them out on their website, earthandarealyoga.com, and social media, same handle, at Earth and Aerial Yoga. They offer aerial yoga teacher training, private aerial yoga parties and lessons. They have kids' aerial yoga classes, Lyra classes. They offer workshops and parent-child aerial yoga, floating meditation and Reiki, restorative restorative aerial yoga. And uh, I really enjoyed this conversation with both, <clears throat> excuse me, Catherine and Laura. And so I'm so happy for you to join in. For all of you that have been offering feedback and response on social media and writing letters and emails and sharing your insights based on what you're hearing on the podcast, I can't tell you how appreciative we all are. Thank you so much. Your continued support and listening and sharing and Offering your appreciation has just been amazing. So thank you, thank you. All right, let's begin. I'm honored and pleased to have with me today Catherine Scalora and Laura Markova. How are both of you doing today? Good, thank you. Yay, well, I'm so happy. This is the first time officially I get to have a conversation with two people and you got you are joining in from are you in Boston? Is that correct? We're actually um in Metro West Boston area, technically specifically in Nice. And um so I and you have a yoga studio and or aerial studio. Can you tell me did did you both teach class today or uh today your day off? What does your day look like so far? <laughs> Today, um, no, I did not teach. I personally did not teach today. Um, I actually have a pretty cushy schedule. I only have to teach three days a week. And then both of us do a lot of uh, remote work, um, kind of back of the house stuff in terms of running the studio and managing everything. Um, so our physical time in the studio is maybe not as much as some um, other studios where teachers owners might be teaching every single day. We have yeah. a little more flexibility plus there's two of us. So it kind of eases the load a little bit. Wonderful. Yeah, for sure. And I'm actually uh, currently speaking to you from Canada. So I'm not even anywhere near the studio itself. <laughs> yeah. Where, <laughs> where are you in Canada, Laura? Not to say that I'm, what's that? Where in Canada are you? I'm in Ontario, just uh, about an hour and a half outside of Toronto. Very cool. And you mm -hmm. both own the yoga, the studio is called Aerial, I'm sorry, Earth and Aerial Yoga. And listeners, you can find them at earthandarealyoga.com. Of course, that'll be in the show notes below. But I'm curious, how long have you both known each other? 
Uh, so we've known each other for about four years now. And um, it's kind of an interesting story. But we basically met um, during Catherine's first aerial yoga teacher training that she ran. And I went to take the training because I had wanted to open a yoga studio. And I didn't want it to be kind of a run-of-the-mill, um, you know, every other yoga studio. So I wanted something a little bit more unique that I could offer. And I settled upon Ariel as that unique factor. So um, as part of, you know, wanting to open a studio that offered that, I obviously had to take the training so that I knew about it. Um, And so I went and took a training with Catherine. And in the process, A, I really loved the practice. uh, But B, I really loved Catherine. And so I approached her after our training actually quite casually it really wasn't um intentional we just were chatting and you know I said something along the lines of like oh yeah you know I'm looking to open a studio it'd be really cool if we could just do it together and also I really just like what you do and I'd love to help you market it (laughs) so that's kind of how it all started and it all snowballed very very quickly into us essentially opening a studio within like months of having that conversation. Wow. Very cool. um, Yeah. It was pretty fast. Nice. And Catherine, where did you train to learn aerial yoga and, or is it, I'll need you guys, I'll need you both to help me with like the proper terminology. Uh, My, my daughter and her friend like to go to like silk class and, Mm -hmm. and so I'm, can you help me understand the difference between, say, an aerial class, an aerial yoga class, and then like a class on the silks? Or I don't even know if I'm saying that right. Uh oh, Catherine, I can't hear oh, you. Oh, Catherine, we've lost you. Uh oh. Um, I'm going to fill in the space for a moment while Kat <laughs> is maybe trying to figure out her reception. But um, yeah, it's funny because my daughter also takes silk classes, uh, but not to be confused with aerial yoga. There, it, there are a lot of similarities between the two, and I would love to have Kat actually talk more about that. But um, you know, the silks are actually usually split silks. So if you um, think about things that you might see in Cirque du Soleil type of performances where there's these long kind of silk fabrics hanging from the ceiling. There's usually two of them and the performers will use them to kind of wrap different body parts and hang off them, twirl, mm. etc. cetera. Yeah. Um, so there's a little bit more of like an acrobatic and circusy component to that. Um, our style of yoga and aerial yoga in particular is using the same type of fabric, but it is actually, um, attached at both ends so it's like a hammock Mm. and um, you use that fabric as a prop to kind of do what you would traditionally do in a regular yoga class but with the added benefit of that support where you can go deeper into stretches um, where you can use it to support you in inversions most specifically Um, and of course do different things than what you would be able to do just on the floor nice very cool. And I'm curious, do you feel that you get feedback from people in relation to finding a lot of benefit from like spinal decompression and or traction, you know, where you can hang oh, from the, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know if Kat is back. I would love for her to, to kind of 
Yay. Can you, All right. can, you, can you hear me now? Ooh, I can. Perfect. Am I back? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Wonderful. Um, yeah. I mean, I would say actually we, we get a lot of clients coming to us for that specific reason. So they're, they're doctor, the chiropractor, maybe they just did a search online and they stumbled upon area yoga as a way to help with back pain or back trouble or whatever. And, and that's constant feedback we get. Um, because there's so many different poses that we can do that just literally allow you to essentially dangle upside down, zero pressure on your spine. And then it's just gravity doing the work, right? There's nothing active you're doing on your part to intentionally release your back. It just sort of happens organically. Nice. I I think the intentional part is maybe to be unintentional. So, you know, to let go, (laughs) which most people have a hard time. (laughs) Yes. Good point. Right, right. So if you're like, if you're upside down and you're in a state of panic, then you're probably not going to be very relaxed in your back. But like if you can, yeah, if you can just kind of go with it and let gravity take over, then yeah, then you can just really like relax into the stretch and, and it's, you know, really um, restorative for many people. Nice. Do either of you or both have a background in... Uh, either acrobats, acrobatics, gymnastics, um, and or any other like movement therapy outside of yoga that you've been able to blend into the aerial arena? So actually, actually neither don't. of us. So, go ahead. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, neither of us have any, I mean, I never, I mean, like when I was really little, I did gymnastics, but definitely no gymnastics, dance, circus background or anything like that. We both come from a longstanding yoga background. Nice. Um, but we do have a lot of our staff that bring that. So we have uh, several of our teachers are also dance instructors. So they bring sort of that um, a more flowy quality to their teaching, um, you know, movement-based things. Um, a couple of our teachers do have a circus background. Many of our teachers have the yoga background. So, you know, we kind of have a little, a little bit of everything. I've definitely noticed people, students that come in with those types of backgrounds, gymnastics or dance, even like figure skating, people that are used to being very aware of where their body is, really pick this up quickly. It, it comes very naturally to them. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And to be clear, Kat and I are both, like she said, you know, we both come from traditional yoga background, um, you know, we both have our 200 hours where, uh, you know, ERYTs, and we both really wanted to infuse our aerial yoga teaching with kind of a lot of the traditional yoga teachings that we were used to. Um, So, you know, so you do feel that throughout most of our classes, um, you know, a lot of our teachers have taken that on board as well. And so, our vibe is kind of very much, you still get that centering, you still get that um, calm at the beginning and end of class, and you see that progression um, throughout the class from, you know, slowly stretching to doing a little more difficult stuff to ultimately relaxing. Um, So we do infuse our classes with the yoga tradition, but we also like to make them more fun. And we like to say that it's kind of a, more lighthearted and fun variation of yoga. You can kind of talk to each other during class. It's not so serious. Um, people like to exclaim a lot. Like when they get to do something for the first time, they tip, you know, upside down and they're like, oh my God, I can't believe I just did this. <laughs> or, 
you know, and you know, everybody cool. congratulates each other and claps for each other. So there's this really cool kind of sense of community that happens within the class itself. That's um, cool. So, yeah, just wanted to bring that up. Yeah, that's a good point. I think if you're able to blend something like this, where what you're talking about with Ariel and and there is that element with yoga where people feel like, oh, I'm going in. I got to be very quiet, respectful, everyone's space. It, it would be fun to make it lighthearted and where everyone can, like you said, have a sense of community. I'm I'm curious. Did, uh, did you say you have, you've been open for four years now? It's been four years. Is that how long you guys have had the studio? We've been open for three and three and a bit. We opened in May of 2019. Wow. So um, just over three years. Yeah. And the fact that you are still open, I mean, I can only say congratulations because that couldn't have been an easy venture going through 2020, 2021. Right. Yeah. Do we need to say more? And so um, on that note, how many swings or um, how many silks or aerial, uh, how should I call what you have, like your setup, what what people are hanging in? What's the... Um. I would call it, I mean, aerial hammock would aerial be hammock. fine or aerial silk. Yeah, cool. yeah, cool. either one. Thank you. How many hammocks and or aerial hammocks do you have in your studio? So we have um, 14 plus one for the instructor. So 14 students, one teacher. Um, we also offer aerial hoop. Um, and for that, because it is a more, um, I hate to use the word dangerous, it just requires a lower teacher student ratio so that mm. one we cap at six students and one teacher because they it's just a little bit more hands-on yeah um so yeah so i mean yeah we have a pretty decent number it, you were just alluding to the pandemic um during well we were closed for four months and when we reopened because of the restrictions in massachusetts we had to cap our classes at six students mm. until may of 2021 so we were operating at less than 50 percent capacity for almost a year wow so that wasn't really very fun <laughs> no so challenging i'm curious i mean you don't have to answer these questions because i know this is a public forum but is that you know, I, my wife and I have a yoga studio here in Juno Beach, Florida, and we were able to hold hold it down all the way through. Um, but it was very yeah. challenging. So, I, I mean, with that sort of element, were you was it something where you had to go into debt, or were you able to manage the cost of it to be in the clear now as you're moving forward? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome to the Alchemy of Natural Healing. I'm your host, Laurel Dewey. True healing is an alchemical process, meaning it must transform you on all levels, body, mind, and spirit. What affects one affects all three. True healing is one of the hardest journeys you'll ever travel, but it's one of the most rewarding and fulfilling when you get to meet yourself for the first time. If you're ready to take that journey, let's get started. Well, I mean, we managed okay, uh, and and ultimately, like I almost hate to say this, but in some ways, benefited from the pandemic. Mm. Uh, I, I would, for, for you know, yeah. in July 2020, you know, I, I don't know, you may have experienced well. It's hard to convince people to come and practice, right? Like, yeah, oh, now they can do it on. They can go to an outdoor class, like 
what's the impetus to get them in the door? For yeah. us, yeah. it was the silks, right? Yeah. Because they couldn't do it at home. And, you know, people were stuck at home. They weren't able to travel. They wanted something exciting to do. Eric was pretty exciting, right? So we were getting a lot of actual privates, people coming in for privates, people just wanting to try something new with their family, that kind of thing. So we ended up with, um, you, know, you know, even though we were at six people, the classes were very, very full. Um, and even kind of spilling into the fall of 2021, um, or I forget now all the years run together, but that, you know, there wasn't a lot of organized sports in the schools because mm. they were all remote. We have a kids program that had been, we ran like a couple classes a week. It's actually now grown to eight classes per week because the parents just wanted something for their kids to do. Nice. And, um, we were practicing, um, a lot of precautions. We were 14 feet apart. We required masks, yada, yada, yada. So people felt this was a safe place to come yeah. or to send their kids, yeah. right? So yeah. in, in all of those ways, our programming kind of grew um, from these weird restrictions. That's cool. Yeah, and I think there was another element, too, that we um, did not anticipate, but um, the silk itself, because it is technically a piece of equipment, uh, when we were t- when we started to think about reopening our studio, we were closed for four months, as Kat mentioned. Um, we had to think about like how are we going to um, offer our classes in what is supposed to be a safe environment? And of course, we have COVID raging at that time, and you know nobody really still knew what um, how it was transmitted, and you know can you like touch somebody's silk and then mm. like you know, you get it. Um, so we had to completely change the way we operated um, in that respect because prior to COVID, we had, a, you know, two sets of silks that would just hang in place and they would be used between clients for a week. And then we would change them out, wash them, use our new set and, and so on. Wow. Um, of course, when COVID hit and then we had to reopen with the thought of like any, you know, you're touching anybody or being in anybody's space, like that's COVID. So now we have to think about, okay, how can we make it so that these can be individual use? Um, and the silks themselves are, the material is quite expensive. A, B, it cannot be washed continuously over and over and over. Um, you know, over time, it'll lose its uh, uh, consistency or whatever the word is. Yeah. Kat can correct me here. So, Anyhow, so we had to think of a way um, to make it to make our clients feel safe, uh, but to also make, make it cost effective, uh, both for us and for them. Um, so we ultimately came up with a with a whole system, which has now become our our system, uh, where people can either rent or purchase their own silks, which we hang up before class for them and then take down after class for them. Um, and we do that for every single class. For 14 people <laughs> every time. Wow. So our studio, yeah. when you ask how many silks we have in our studio, well, yes, we have, you know, <laughs> what would probably be 14 hanging, but we actually have about, is it eight now, shelves? Of, yeah, of, we have over, I would say over 200 silks on the shelf. Um, and when we first introduced this program, I thought it would only be like the diehard people that wanted to buy a silk and most people would rent, mm-hmm. but it's actually been the opposite. 
Um, most people end up buying. They like choosing their own personal color to sort of express their personality or whatever. So, yeah, we have an absolute enormous amount of silk. And, like, you know, this is all storage that we didn't need before, right? So there's yeah. it's taking up a lot of space in the studio as well. So, yeah, that was a pretty big shift for us. For wow. Sure. Well, first of all, I think what's really what I'm really inspired by is the fact that the two of you are working together. And it sounds like um, that's something that I'm really appreciative of having both my wife and I working together and managing the studios. Like when one of us are down and or thinking negatively about it, there's the other person to kind of say, wait, we can do this, you know, and then like so when you hit a troublesome pitfall, it's like having two people working together, holding down a business makes it so much easier. So. Like first to hear that the two of you were, you know, there to kind of bounce ideas off each other. Like, what are we going to do? Like, yeah. How are we going to survive? How are we going to come up with a good solution here? So that's really cool that you both have each other to to work like that um, together. And then also so classic that you're saying, well, let's sell them, which sounds like a really good idea in terms of, you know, now you have a product that you, you know, can sell to your clients, but also pretty classic that now you have to store, you have to store them for everybody at the studio because like, we'll have people come in with their yoga mats and they're like, can you keep my yoga mat for me? And, yeah. you know, if you say yes to everybody, <laughs> then we'd have to like design a whole, you know, yoga mat wall to store all of it. But I think still sounds like such a great solution that, People have their own because I, I was actually wondering as you were telling me like, well, we can't we can't wash them too many times and they're really expensive. I was like, I kind of wondered what you were going to say you did. So that seems like the perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it took many, many, many conversations <laughs> for us to arrive. Yeah, I mean, it's a model that we ultimately like, landed on. That's right. cool. Like you said, like we were bounced. We were like, well, what if we do this? And what if we do? I mean, we researched so many different things. I was going to spray them with ethyl alcohol. I mean, I, you know, we were really looking at all these things and ultimately, I mean, it is a lot more work for us prepping and taking down after class, but I know that our students really appreciate it. Yeah. And actually, you know, I mean, it is, it is now a, a retail item for us. So we, you know, we are making a profit off the sales too. That's so cool. you know, the whole new revenue stream. <laughs> yeah. Another, another question I have for both of you is I, uh, I, got intrigued by having a, a yoga hammock or a hammock in our room. So we have a drop ceiling. So, you know, like, um, you know, it's a really tall, the building is tall, but the drop ceiling makes it feel like the room isn't really high. And so yeah. I got a con, I hired a contractor and I said, this is what I want to do. I want to hang a hammock in here. I just want to test the waters and see if I, if it works and then I can add more. And and um, the process of the contractor trying to figure out a way to yeah. be able to support, you know, three, I don't, you know, obviously if we're going to mm-hmm. say we can support a 100 pound, 200 pound, 300 pound, like what the, the weight ratio is, and then to be able to fix it so that it didn't swing and actually hold the, the, the hammock so that it was stable turned into yeah. such a big project. I had no idea it was going to cost <laughs> cost as much as oh, it yeah. was. And so after I did that one, I was like, yeah. oh, heck no, I'm not hanging a bunch of hammocks in here because that was so ridiculously expensive. So I'm curious, what kind of solutions and or did you just have to bite the bullet on the build outside to to be able to pull right. this off? 
it, well, it's funny. Sometimes I'm, I'm in a couple of Facebook groups for yoga studio owners. And every once in a while, somebody will be like, I'm thinking about adding like one or two aerial yoga classes <laughs> to my curriculum. What do I need to do? And I just like start laughing <laughs> because this is not a, this is not a casual sort of offshoot. This, this is a big investment. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, if you're not running a whole bunch of classes, it's probably not worth doing. Um, we really lucked out the building we're in, we're in an old mill building mm. and there are steel I-beams going across our ceiling at, a, I think they're about nine feet apart. Mm. And so we were able to install, the, it's basically plumbing pipe. I think they're two or three inches, um, what's the word, diameter. Um, and they're running on a grid left oh. and right. And then we actually have them going diagonal oh. and then we just attach our silks to that grid of pipes and those are all clamped to the I-beam. So we, we completely lucked out in terms of the structure of this uh, building. Well, we I'd like to act- say that, sorry to interrupt, but we didn't just luck yeah. out because we looked for that. Like we knew oh, we yes, needed it. Yeah, um, yeah. So, you know, we, when we were seeking out a space for ourselves, it was, that was an absolute requirement that the ceiling was going to be able to be um, supporting X many number of, of silks. So, wow. sorry, wow. but I guess I would say, no, I would just say that the lucking out is that we found it because we, yes. we were considering, um, and still kind of maybe sort of considering a second location. So we started our search again, right. And we're looking at all these buildings and they're it's like what you're saying, right. It's like a nightmare to try to figure out how you're going to attach. Like one of them, they were going to have to build a steel structure or you're going to have to reinforce the ceiling and it just becomes like a huge, huge endeavor. So um, that's what I I guess I mean more about the look out that we found something like perfectly met our needs without such a huge build out. Yeah. Yeah. And we do work with a, with a professional uh, rigger who, you know, this is kind of his life's work and, you know, his skill set and his experience is very important to making sure that our um, structures are sound and are able to hold the weight of all of our students because safety is number one priority, of course, yeah. um, in our studio. And so we we tell this to, we have like a little spiel when we welcome a new student to a class and it's their first time because, of course, the first time you walk into a space and you're like, so I'm going to hang off those things? Okay. Um, and you, you kind of have to ease people's mind. But one of the mm. first things we say is, you know, this structure has been installed by a professional stage rigger and every single fabric has been stress tested um, and can hold between two to 3,000 pounds of weight. So you're absolutely safe doing whatever we do in this class or any other class in the studio. So this is just a nice way to kind of inform them that they're in a safe space, but also for us to remind ourselves, like, this is safe. (laughs) You know, we we do everything we possibly can to make sure that people are safe in our space. While we take a short break, I just wanted to remind you a couple of different things we have going on at Native Yoga Center. We have a new student live stream special, so you can join us at home and practice with us during our live stream classes that are happening daily. I also have a new student free 30-minute yoga meet and greet where you can book a session to meet on Zoom via via our calendar on Calendly. And that way, if you have any specific issues that you want to discuss before taking classes, that can help me to get to know you. And third thing, really excited about our Native Yoga teacher training that's going to be happening in January of 2023. All right, let's go ahead and get back to the discussion. 
Oh yeah, that's so huge. I'm curious. I mean, I'm coming at. I hope, and all these questions are kind of coming from like the the actual studio ownership side, just because of the different things that we come up with. But um, what I found interesting in the past with in relation to insurance is that because we have a yoga studio and there's no equipment inside the room, the insurance policy is X. But the moment I add any type of equipment, they say, well, now it's going to go way X times, you know, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So, I'm, But it, is a silk considered equipment? Like, have you had any of that sort of inquiry with in relation to this? Um, well, the insurance policy that we have, they specifically insure aerial yoga. Yeah. That's one of their specialties, wow. right? Like, so All there's right. like a separate box that I check. So it's encompassed. So they don't break it down by what types of equipment, more yeah. like what are you doing in yeah. your space. Yeah. Um, but I know, yeah, I mean, if our ceilings are maybe about 14 feet, but I know like if you were practicing the pool silks that Laura was talking about earlier, that requires more like 20 to 25 foot ceilings. And then you're in a much higher <laughs> tier of insurance because you're, it's way more dangerous, right? Yeah. You're way further away yeah. from the floor. So luckily, luckily we haven't had to worry about that. Wow. that's, a, that's And our teachers yeah. too have to be, um, have to have a separate type of insurance because some of our teachers are already yoga instructors elsewhere. Uh, but, in order for them to teach aerial yoga specifically, they need to have uh, an additional insurance that specifically insures them to teach aerial yoga. Got it. Yeah. I appreciate you answering all these questions. I am curious. Um, and you, you offer aerial yoga teacher training. Am I correct? Yes. Cool. When, when's your next um, one? <laughs> I want to, I want to come, uh, I want to come, uh, hang out with you guys. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Right? It's, um, it's right around the corner. It starts on September 10th. Um, this will be my fifth one. I've won, I've run one every single year, including the year of the pandemic, which was kind of crazy because we were supposed to start in April that year. Of course, mm-hmm, everything was mm-hmm. cut down. So we did the first, 10 hours of it on zoom, which I know sounds crazy. Like how do you do aerial yoga on zoom? But what, I don't know. We had to get, everybody had to get creative, right? So I would come to the studio and I would have my silk and they were all on zoom and I would have them talk me through the poses and they're just like sitting there looking at their computer screen. They don't have a silk. They, you know, they're not doing it in their own body. And so it was super hard, but actually really good because it really got their cueing. You know, mm, they really had to use their language. Yeah. So it, it ended up being pretty valuable. And then eventually we finished the training in person um, once everything reopened. So, um, yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> but but now we're fully back in person. It's the in-person training. It's funny. I, I've gotten I've probably 10 or more applications from people all over the country. And I'm like, you do realize this is in person, right? And and then they're like, oh no, <laughs> everybody thought it was online. It's just because so many things are online now. Yeah, I yeah. Too. Well, but we definitely prefer the in person experience, especially for something like this. You know, you need to be able to put hands on people and physically experience the poses. If I were to travel to Massachusetts to train with you, how long? How long is the training? So the issue is it's not conducive for someone traveling from yeah. far away because yeah. it's spread out over five weekends. Got it. Um, 
so that's why none of the people that reached out to me ultimately signed up for that reason. Got it, um, got it. Yeah. I've done, yeah, I've, I did a one week intensive one over the summer one year because I had a lot of school teachers that wanted to take the training. So it kind of worked out nicely for them. Yeah. It's doable, but it is, it is grueling. Like, I mean, it is physically, mentally, emotionally exhausting to do all of that in, in one week. So yeah. spreading it out over the weekends is, is a lot more digestible for people. That's cool. Uh, if you were to offer a, say, like aerial yoga retreat, are there places that uh-huh. cater to that? Are there like places in Costa Rica or somewhere maybe yeah. in Spain? Yeah, there are. That's <laughs> Believe cool. it or not. I know because I remember a friend of mine yeah. said, well, you know, they wanted to do something like that. And my first thought was like the logistics of, well, how all of a sudden are you going to hang some silks like, you know, in a place that you don't know where you're going. But then that made me just think maybe there are places that are kind of outfitted for this. Yeah, That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, fair enough. If um if I am a yoga teacher, I, I'm a yoga teacher and I want to learn aerial yoga, what's like the first thing that you focus on that you try to help me understand uh, in this process? Like what's the main thing or you, there might be several, I'm sure, but um. You know, when you're getting ready, when you're training people, obviously there's the moves, but what do you feel like the core is that you're attempting to convey to the students? Well, you, are you asking, teaching someone how to teach it or I'm teaching someone how to practice? Ooh, good question. Which, let's go with the... Those are two totally different things. <laughs> let's go with the practice one first. If someone's coming just for, mm-hmm. a, for a practice session... What do you, what are like, or if there's like two or three things that you typically really need to point out to people when they come in, I'm curious what that is. Yeah. Laura, do you want to answer that one? And then I'll Sure. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's, yeah. If you're talking about, you're just walking into a class, like how do I mentally prepare you for what's to come? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, whether you're a yoga teacher or a complete novice to yoga or aerial yoga, um, You know, we tell you uh, that the fabric does put pressure on your body. So if you can imagine um, kind of having a deep tissue massage, maybe you've done some therapy ball rolling, things like that. Um, So you may experience that same type of intense pressure when you're placing your entire body weight on the fabric. Um, It does create that pressure and usually in hip creases or armpits, um, which are areas where you might hang off of. Um, and so that's why we recommend for people to wear T-shirts, for example, um, and definitely wear longer pants. Um, and we do say that you may walk away with a little bit of tenderness or even bruising in some of those areas. Uh, but that it is something that your body does get used to over time. And over time, you really stop feeling the intensity uh, or even any of the pr- uh, pain of it. It's more of just you feel the pressure as you get used to it. Um, The other thing that is um, generally a big issue for people is the motion sickness that may happen sometimes because you are quite often suspended in the silk, whether you're doing something fancy or you're just sitting in it. Um, But when you're suspended, you obviously will feel some kind of a sway. The silk is only attached at the ceiling. Um, So unless you're touching down with one limb or another, you are suspended as you sway you're, you may feel kind of motion sickness. Some people have vertigo, and we certainly 
recommend that they reconsider uh, doing aerial when they have those uh, things come up. Uh, but when, you know, if you do feel nauseous and it's kind of a passing thing, we just say, you know, just come right out of your silk, come down on the floor. You can lie down or sit down. Uh, we also have peppermint oil readily available in our studio so that um, we, we, you know, tend to tell people just rub it into your wrist and have a little sniff. And that usually helps to alleviate kind of, you know, just those first waves. Um, and I have to say, actually, on a side note, when I first started doing aerial yoga, I used to feel so sick. Um, I couldn't, I would, you know, constantly be yelling at Catherine to come and stop me from swinging or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't even do Shavasana in the silk, which by the way is like fantastic thing to do. Uh, but not when you feel nauseous. Mm -hmm. So I would always come out of my silk and do it on the floor. Uh, but it did go away over time for me. And I'm not saying that would be everybody's experience, but it's one of those things that maybe your body just gets used to as well. Um, and I think the other thing I like to tell people is like, have fun with it. Um, you know, not everything is going to feel uh, perfectly normal because you're going upside down and you may forget what your ups and downs are and what your rights and lefts are. And that's, that's okay. Uh, the most important thing is to really listen to the cues because those are there to support you and to make sure that you're safe in the poses. But they're also going to tell you how to get into them. So even if you don't believe you can get into them, I believe that you can get into them just because I'm going to tell you how to get there. Um, so as long as you listen, you'll get there. Um, and if you can't, then it's not an issue of strength uh, or ability most of the time. It's usually just a mind over matter thing. So you kind of have to work into it a little bit and let yourself, allow yourself to go into the poses. Um, so, yeah, Excellent. I think those are some of the main things that I would tell you. <laughs> Great answer. That's really insightful. I would not, I didn't know about the motion sickness part. I definitely have felt that mm -hmm. pressure, but you're right. I, if you're not used to that, that would be a little uncomfortable. Uh, or maybe it just, right. maybe just have to kind of accept like, okay, there's going to be pressure. And that's so interesting. I'm, I'm curious. Um, but yeah, please. I was just going to say, we do, yeah, I know she just made it sound like aerial yoga is like a horrible thing to do. No. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't get that feeling but, at like, all. You know, kinda... yeah. Go ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Oh, uh, you know, oh, I was going to well, say, you know, we try to, <laughs> we try to lay those things out on the table yeah. up front so yeah. that if that happens, you don't think there's something wrong with you or yeah. that you're not doing it right. And, yeah. oh, my gosh, I feel like I'm going to throw up or whatever. Yeah. Um, that those are, like, normal things. And they really do go away for people that are willing to keep coming back and acclimate to it. But if you yeah. have, like, a really bad experience, I can understand not wanting to push through that, of course. But, yeah. like, the people yeah. that are like, no, I'm, I'm going to keep plugging away at it, they really reap the benefits ultimately, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, I, I love hanging from my hammock, my yoga hammock. I love it. It feels so good. And I, but I love hearing how the reality of like what you're talking about in terms of uh, teaching and then the diversity that we come across and what the experience people have is always so different. So it's interesting to hear it from this angle of, of how we, we would need to coach them to feel confident in some of those arenas. But um, to uh, kudos, Laura, that uh, I recently went zip lining in uh, North Carolina and we had so much fun. Family had a great time hanging from the line and swinging across. But there's a couple people in the group that were 
really nervous, having serious anxiety issues and uh, having a really tough time of it, which it was amazing to watch them push through that and come out the other side. But the way you were explaining it, I felt the same level of of excitement that the people that were kind of taking us along the zip line, like these, this, these crew, these people were just having so much fun and having a fun, make helping us to have fun. So it sounds like you really have that like passion for it, which is, which is cool. For nice, sure. Nice to hear. And I think yeah. one of the things that we love to uh, really be so clear on is that you do not need any kind of experience to do aerial yoga. You don't have to have done any yoga. You don't have to come from gymnastics. You don't have to be super flexible or super strong. Those are the reasons you come there. Mm. Um, you know, we do ha- we do say in order to do it, ideally, you should be able to raise your arms up over your head and lift your knee up to your hip height. Mm. Um, that's the extent of requirement that in terms sense. of, uh, yeah. you know, ability, uh, or experience prior to taking a class. So we have students that are, you know, like Catwin was talking about, about our kids classes. We have kids that are, are as young as five years old who do aerial yoga classes and adults who are as old as 75 who do aerial yoga classes. So yeah. Yeah. The, we run the gamut of age. We run the gamut of experience and everyone gets a different um, outcome in a different, you know, uh, walks away with a different benefit uh, for their own body or for their own mind. Uh, and so everybody can get something out of it, but you certainly don't have to come in with anything. Just You just have to be willing and open to experiencing something new. Nice. That's it. Nice. And Catherine, I'm super curious what your answer would be regarding some of the main things you really try to touch upon when you're teaching teacher training, when you're teaching people yeah. to, yeah, to, to help to be a teacher or to a, a facilitator. Yes. So as I was saying, practicing and teaching are extremely different and particularly for aerial yoga. So I'll have people that have, we have this one pose called monkey where you, where you go upside down and the silk is kind of um, wrapped around your hips, um, around the back, back side of your body and these people have done this pose hundreds of times, right? And I'll be like, okay, tell me how to get into it. And they, they have nothing. They have no idea how, how to tell me. <laughs> they, they, don't, yeah. they have no words for it. Yeah. So it just kind of goes to show how the difference is. So my number one focus in the training is is keeping your students safe. That's like top priority. Obviously, you want them to have a great time. And you want them to have a good stretch and, and all of that. But what trumps everything is that they are safe. And in my opinion, that's a two-prong approach. And the first prong is clear, concise cueing. So there's a huge emphasis on being really specific with your words. So, you know, left hand to the right silk or, or whatever it is, you know, very specific about where the body parts are going in relationship to the silk. Mm. And then the second piece of it is watching your students. So your cueing can be fantastic. But if you're not watching them and somebody does something they're not supposed to, then something bad is going to happen, you know? So it, Which it's they do really got to be, <laughs> yes. Because like Laura was saying, like, if you just listen to directions, everything is great. But many people are unable to listen to the directions because they're so, they're so um, discombobulated, right? Because yeah. literally, like she was saying, like, you don't know where your body is in space. And, and I'll be like, you know, lower your right arm and they lower their left arm or they lift their right. I mean, they just like don't have any idea where they are. Yeah. So it, it has to be those those two pieces together, like really clear cueing 
but also watching and anticipating. You know, I, I tell them you get a sense within the first five or 10 minutes of a class who your people are that are going to need help. It's yeah. very clear, yeah. very quickly, right? They have low body awareness or they're just whatever it is you can tell. And those are the people that you're going to, you know, when you go to teach something a little more complicated, maybe you're going to go stand beside them, right? Or you're going to offer your assistance. You know, you're going to be able to tell who those people are. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that's probably the, that's sort of the crux of the training and then everything stems from that. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Nice. Very cool. Yeah, and I'd like to say that Kat does like a lot of practice teaching in her training for those exact reasons mm. because learning the poses is, um, I wouldn't say it's not difficult, but it's not nearly as difficult as learning how to train your eye to know that somebody is doing something incorrectly. Um, like knowing that somebody has wrapped their legs in the opposite way and now they're about to fall out versus, you know, the right way, which is, you know, the silk is holding them. Um, so it, it, it took time even for me. I'm somebody who, when I, when I teach traditional yoga, I'm very much about cueing. So that was, you know, at least it was something that is still that I could transfer quite easily. So I, I'm very clear about my cueing. Um, and I, I really focus on sensation and I focus on alignment and all these types of things. Um, but when you go into the aerial yoga um, element now, you're not only just guiding people through sensation in their body or alignment in their body, you now are like, like their life is in your hands, you know, um, because <laughs> right. wrapping, wrapping the wrong way, obviously you may, I may have told you the perfect way to get there, but if you didn't listen or if like, you know, Kat was saying you're discombobulated, whatever, you wrap the wrong way. I have to be right there next to you to be like, no, 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 this is the right way or to grab you and kind of pull you back up or whatever it is. Um, and, and so to me, that was a, a really different skill. Um, that I didn't necessarily have for my many years of teaching traditional yoga. Um, and it took a little bit of time for me to learn, to recognize just by looking at somebody from far away to know, oh, they're like, you know, their knees are going the wrong way or their foot is wrapped the wrong way or it's not flexed or whatever it may be that is required for the safety of this particular pose. Um, yeah. So, Great. you know, so it's really, it's yeah. really key to have that in the training because it's really truly the most important part about the training and you walk away really feeling like, okay, now I keep, feel pretty confident that I can teach. Um, and, and a lot of the teacher trainees uh, from her training get to teach regular classes in our, in our studio. Um, they're, you know, we obviously let the, the students know that they are teach, teacher students um, so that they, they have their uh, expectations I guess, somewhat lowered. Um, and that they also are a little bit kinder to them, I suppose, but, you know, but they do get to teach real people, um, you know, during the training and, and afterwards to continue practicing. So it's very, yeah. very valuable. That's a really, I mean, of yeah. course they practice, I would say during the training, we, they, they practice with each other, right? But if you already know how to do the pose and you're teaching somebody else and they know how to do the pose and they're just, you know, it's like almost too easy and, I, and what I actually have them do is we all practice doing the pose the wrong way. So they know how bad it feels or they know how 
unsafe they feel. And then I'm like, I want you to remember this. Because then if you see one of your students doing that, you're not going to be like, oh, yeah, I'll get to them in five minutes. You're going to know. You're going to have the empathy, right, to be like, oh, I know that really hurts. So I need to go over there and help them right now. Um, and so then we bring in people from the community, you know, we'll just post, you know, hey, come in for a free aerial yoga class so that they can actually practice on bodies that don't already know how to do it. So they can see the common mistakes that people make and start to learn how to anticipate them. I hear you. I, I learned the hard way on the extreme care that you're giving to making sure people are safe, people are listening, that proper cueing is being offered. I learned the hard way that this actually is pretty serious because I hung my yoga swing up and um, you know, uh, I thought like this would be a nice thing as an addition to the studio for people to be able to, you know, enjoy traction and hanging upside down. And mm-hmm. so, um, someone had, so I just kind of left it hanging and I, you know, came out to the front desk area and someone who, um, wasn't skilled or trained in practicing on it had gotten up in it and her feet when she was seated weren't able to touch the ground there above in the process of jumping out she didn't cl- the feet swang behind and she she fell pretty good out of it and or oh, pretty bad yikes. out of it and you know I felt so bad you know right away you're like you feel like oh man I'm so sorry oh, yeah. and and um I wasn't watching her though you know what I mean like I, I it was mm-hmm. just and so I okay let me wrap this puppy up and kind of put this off to the side because this is actually serious. You know, people need to be trained. So I'm loving hearing how much detail and like precision that you're putting into watching it. It's also making me think like at first when you said we have, I believe I am remembering correctly that you have 14 swings hanging. Is that Mm -hmm. right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Like that would be to, to have an eye on 14 people at the same time and make sure everyone is following instructions. Um, that seems like a good number. Like if there was a 30 person aerial studio, that might be way hard to manage. Yeah. Too hard to manage okay, that. That would be, that would be, that would be crazy. Yeah. I You're mean, like, like no. I think 14, yeah, 14 is definitely pushing the limit. Um, so I would say too, um, again, something I tell them in the teacher training, is it's not like you're, you are watching all 14 the whole time. That would yeah. just be kind of exhausting. Yeah. Half the class has probably taken a class before, or you know them and you know that they yeah. are safe or whatever. And like yeah. I said, I, I tell them it's like, where's Waldo? You're scanning the room for the person that looks different from everybody else. That's the person that needs your help, right? Yeah. If everybody's yeah. got their hands in the same place, okay, you guys are good. Yeah. So it's a lot easier to look for what's different than it is to check each person. Yep, you're good. Yep, you're good. Because that takes too long, right? And then they're just like <laughs> waiting. So um, that seems to be a pretty good strategy. When I looked at so, your... I tend to hang up my, my uh, beginner in the front. So it's kind of like the opposite of maybe a traditional yoga class where usually the beginner uh, like to hide in the back. Oh, cool. Uh, whereas I like to have them right in front of me, close to me. Because, uh, you know, as we were saying, we have everybody's silk is, is already bagged and tagged and, and shelved in our space. So when you're, when you're setting up for a class, you have your roster, you know, who's coming, you recognize people, you put them in the back, you, you don't recognize people, you look up, 
you know, how many times have they been to class or whatever? And you kind of, at least for me, I kind of structure my class that way. So my beginners are always like as close as possible around me. So that way I have my eyes on them uh, first and foremost throughout the class. Um, and sometimes you may have like five Waldos in one class, you know? Oh, and, yeah. And, <laughs> and, and that can be very that can be very challenging no doubt yeah. um, and it's just something it's a skill that you kind of build over time to be able to manage that many uh, people at once and a lot of times like one of the first things that Kat taught me was to, um, to to sit there and like repeatedly tell people do not do this until I have come to you or do not do this until I have shown you how to do it. And then I'm going to tell you how to do it. You watch me, um, which is again, not a very yogi type of thing, right? No, like sometimes in a yoga class, the teacher will say, okay, everybody pause now. I'm going to show you the next sequence or whatever to make sure you're doing it right. But it's not, it doesn't happen as often. Whereas in our classes, it's almost like every class you'll have, okay, everybody now, hang out in this really easy pose and watch over here. Um, you know, if you do know how to do this and this is, you know, you've come to a million classes, please go ahead. But if this is your first, second, third or whatever many classes and you're still not sure how to do this, please do not do this without me. Like just yeah. watch me first. Yeah. Um, and then I'll tell you how to get there. And sometimes I'll tell individual people like, please wait until I've talked everybody else through it and then I'll come to you and we'll do it together. Um, so it's just having that, that skill hones over time. It takes a while to get to a point where you feel comfortable. And I still sometimes I'm like almost anxious when I have like sick brand new people. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, are they all, you know, are they all going to be uh, completely unaware? You know, I, I really hope I get a couple that are just kind of clicking right away. Um, but you get to learn that a lot of people like have no body awareness. Um, and it's, it's a skill that you have to yeah. help them build Good through point. your classes. Good point. Uh, both of you are small business owners working together. And I, f I feel that because this podcast has uh, a wide variety of people listening, yoga practitioners, teachers, people that are into body work. Um, and a lot of us are independently employed and or aiming for that, dreaming of that. Is there any advice that you would give or inspiration to encourage people to to be their own boss and or to go for their dreams to have their own business. I'll let Laura speak to that one. <laughs> I was wondering. <laughs> okay. Who's gonna bite first? Who's think. gonna <laughs> I think the most important thing for me is recognizing your own strengths. And working with those and then recognizing your weaknesses and allowing others to, to fill those gaps. Mm -hmm. So Catherine nice. and I have a really symbiotic uh, partnership. Um, we are very strong in very different areas. And so it allows for her and I to work almost independently, but together on our, on our business. Nice. Um, and she has skills that I don't have and I have skills that she doesn't have. And um, it, it, it makes us a very strong team, I think. A lot of times when somebody is opening their own yoga studio, um, I don't think they realize the uh, business 
side of things necessarily. So they they go into it with the pure passion of I want to inspire people, I want to help people, uh, whatever it may be. I love this. I want to do this for a living, and I'm going to be my own boss. Um, and the kind of hard truth of it, I think, um, is that as as a business owner. You're not just a yoga teacher. You're an accountant. You're a marketer. You're uh, a cleaner. You are customer service. You're sales. You are just all these other things mm. that kind of um, almost eclipse the, the, the teaching part. Yeah. Um, you know, Kat and I teach two to three classes a week. I teach two usually. Um, she teaches three, and and then she does some private. So she teaches a little bit more than me, but. We have over 30 classes on our schedule, plus I don't know how many privates every single week. There is no way in the world that between us we could ever teach that many classes um, and still be able to run a successful business mm. because the business side of things requires strategy and, and, and planning and um, kind of like the 10,000-foot view. And if you're just stuck in like the teaching of a class um, – that's not a business, you know, and, yeah, I, and I think yeah. uh, I want to dissuade any yoga teachers who are really passionate about yoga to open their own business because I think they may be disappointed by the reality of it. Yeah. Um, that's not to say that that's, that's true for everybody, but it's just to say that if you really, truly just love teaching, just find like a bunch of teaching jobs and, and like, you can, you're kind of still your own boss. You're still, you know, essentially deciding when and where to, to choose to teach. Um, but, but you don't have to do all the other things that come with it. You know, the pressure yeah. Yeah. of getting people in the door yeah. every single day for every single class. Um, you know, there's just so much more to, to running a business yes. than just yes. teaching the class. Yes. I appreciate that. I appreciate you being honest about it. And that's really great advice too about, if you really love teaching, teach as much as you can. Like you can be an independent contractor and have your own business as a teacher. It's a, that's a really good point because you're right. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of work. <laughs> and I love the fact, yes. I love the fact that you threw in there that we're also cleaners because like that's something I'm always, <laughs> I'm always cleaning toilets and mopping floors and washing laundry. And like, that's one of those things you just aren't thinking about when you sign on for oh. having a yoga studio. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, right. I'll tell you a little <laughs> anecdote of of uh, right now. Catherine was on vacation last week, and I've been in Canada, and so neither of us has been in the studio space. We have, you know, a couple people who help us while we're away to kind of manage things if things go wrong, uh, and we have like a self cleaning or sorry, um, a robot vacuum yeah. mop, yeah. which cleans our studio. So you know, we we we. We're really happy to get that because obviously doing it manually really sucks all the time. <laughs> um, but so you would think you have a robot vacuum and that's going to take care of things. But uh, unfortunately, it also needs maintenance. And so I have my app and the app is telling me, you know, the water tank needs refilling and this brush is stuck and, <laughs> you know, the vacuum needs whatever. And so I'm sitting there over the phone trying to tell somebody else how to do something in the studio to this vacuum and it, and it's just like this ridiculous thing right like this has nothing to do with <laughs> yoga <laughs> you know yes so it's good just, point good point just part of business ownership yeah. you kind of have your fingers yeah. in every single yeah. pie be ready for everything <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I thoroughly enjoy having this opportunity to talk to you, and I get inspiration of hearing other studio owners and teachers, and uh, and you know what the ins and outs are of of your day to day. To help us close, is there something each of you would like to share to um, get us excited about life and hanging from an aerial silk? <laughs> <laughs> Cat. Oh, cat. Uh, no pressure. No pressure. No pressure. It can be. Really, it can be really simple. You can uh, just tell us to smile, and that that'll suffice. Right. Right. <laughs> I mean, I would just say, I'm not sure. I'm totally answering your question, but just one thing that I don't feel like we haven't please, touched on please. is how rewarding it is to see um, people, especially like at the end of a class having accomplished something they didn't think was possible. And it might be something very simple, just like a little flip into the silk or something like that, but something they thought was out of the realm of possibility um, or maybe someone who came in not very strong and now they're able to kind of pull themselves up or whatever. I find the practice to be very empowering to people in a way they didn't expect. Like that's not what they came here for, but that's what they leave with. And that's what I, that's, kind of one of the things me going awesome i'm totally nodding over here vigorously (laughs) 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 disagreeing with it all um and i guess that maybe if i can add anything it would be to say that i think kat and i have truly surprised ourselves with the um type of amazing community that we've been able to build through our studio like i think we both got into this because we love what we do, but we also love building communities and we love helping people. And I just don't know that we even expected to, to get to a point to the point that where we are today, where our community is so strong, the people who come to classes and our members are just these amazing humans who love and care for each other. And we've created so many friendships uh, in our space, not, you know, us like sitting there and introducing people to each other, just people being in our space and, um, you know, getting to know each other, supporting each other through these, uh, new experiences and through these new journeys. And, you know, to see the friendships that have flourished, uh, from us having the space, I think is, is really rewarding for us. And the amount of people that have sent us notes and and written us cards and whatever to say, thank you so much. Like your studio helps me get through, you know, the COVID days or whatever, Um, or just anything. Your studio helped me with X, Y, Z in my life. Um, It's just amazing. Like it makes my heart full. Oh, I hear you. Yeah. Well, I, I, you both are really inspirational. I've, I enjoy, I've enjoyed this opportunity to speak with both of you so much. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk. And of course, everyone listening, I'm going to have all the links so that people can find you and find out about your courses and where you're located. And and I hope that I get a chance to travel to Massachusetts. I've never been there and come visit you guys. I would love to do that. Please do. Please do. And thank you so much for having us. It's been a pleasure. Of course. Thank you. Well, I look forward till the next time. I'll stay I'll stay in touch. You got okay. it. All right. Take care.
Native Yoga Toddcast is produced by myself. The theme music is dreamed up by Bryce Allen. If you like this show, let me know. If there's room for improvement, I want to hear that too. We are curious to know what you think and what you want more of, what I can improve. And if you have ideas for future guests or topics, please send us your thoughts to info at Native Yoga Center. You can find us at nativeyogacenter.com. And hey, if you did like this episode, share it with your friends, rate it and review, and join us next time. Thank you.